You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Welcome to the Hard Men Podcast. My name is Eric Kahn. I'll be your host today for this episode. What I want to do today is take a look at a question that was sent to me by one of our listeners. I thought it was an excellent question. And I think it's a question that a lot of people are probably asking. So as we answer this today, I hope it's helpful. So I'm going to read the question. Here it is. While niceness in the modern sense is not a virtue, gentleness and kindness are fruits of the Spirit. These fruits of the Spirit exist in the new man. Jesus, the true man, calls himself gentle and lowly in heart. My struggle as a man is the balance of hardness, as you've talked about, and gentleness. I don't want to be a pushover without firm convictions and strength, but I often fail to soften my words for my audience, including my wife and children. Over and over, men are reminded not to be harsh in Scripture. So here's the question. How should gentleness be defined? And then secondly, what practices help cultivate the virtue of gentleness without being weak and against an imbalanced manliness that fails to incorporate the biblical standard in its fullness? So the first thing I want to do today is just take a little bit of time to go through exegesis, look at a couple Bible passages, and answer the first question, what is the scriptural definition of gentleness, and by that, what does it mean for us to be gentle men, right? We're masculine, we're hard. Um, we've talked about that, but how does that balance out with gentleness? So the first passage I want to look at today is actually Galatians chapter 5. And of course, in this passage, Paul speaks about the fruits of the Spirit. So I'm going to read starting in verse 22. Paul says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Now, one of the first things you'll notice if you're looking at a couple different translations, of course, we're in the KJV right now, but if you look at verse 22, in the KJV, you have peace, long-suffering, and then gentleness. This word, the first time gentleness is mentioned in this passage, um, the word, in the at least in the NAS, will be kindness. Um, but the word we're actually looking for that most English translations have as gentleness comes at the very beginning of verse 23. And this word in the KJV is usually translated as meekness. Now, I actually think this is more helpful, and it helps get to uh, the heart of the definition better than the word gentleness, um, and uh, hopefully it'll make sense why I say that in just a second. So one of the best ways to answer the question, what does the Bible mean by gentleness, is to actually look at the word. So, and, and we'll look at the, the definition as well. So in verse 23, meekness or gentleness in the NASB is listed as a fruit of the Spirit. Well, the first thing you can do is you can look that up in a dictionary, and you'll find that the Greek word is praeutes, okay? And the root of that word is praeus. 
Now, if you were with us in past episodes, we talked about in Matthew um, chapter 5, we were talking about the Beatitudes, and we were talking about what is meekness. It's the same root word here, preus or preutes. But what's interesting is if you look at it, it actually means a sort of gentle strength. So wrapped up in the definition of preus is power under control. So it, it's interesting because it, it's, it does not mean weakness, right? It means power that is restrained. It, it is being uh, under the force of self-control. So right away, what we find is that when God is calling us to be gentle or to be meek, he's not calling us to be weak. In fact, he's saying you should be very, very strong. Men should be dangerous. They should have a capacity for violence and a competency in those things, but they should be able to control themselves as well. Now, another question that you could ask is, where do you find this word preutes in the rest of the New Testament in the Greek? And if you, you can use just biblehub.com as a good tool where you can use Strong's in either the KJV or in the NASB, and that's going to help you locate the other passages. I also really like uh, my Bible app for the NASB, and this is just the literal word, Bible app, very useful. You can look at the English words, and then you can look them up in the Greek or in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, and then it'll show you all the occurrences of those words as well. That's a free app, the literal word. So very simple, I can look up this word praiutes, and here's what I come up with. Uh, it occurs eight times in the Pauline epistles and then three times in the general epistles. And we can sort of look at context and how it's used. Um, I can do that now just, just to give you a feel of a couple of the passages. It occurs again, of course, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. And it says, You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So mark that. It's, and we'll see this again. It's, it's commonly used as a word um, when you're dealing with sinners and you're correcting them and you're calling them to repentance. Often the New Testament writers will call us to a spirit of gentleness. That is to say, we're strong and we're powerful. We have a powerful message, but we convey it in a way that is self-controlled and gentle. Okay, Ephesians 4.2, it says that we're to deal with, uh, and this is talking about the fellowship, uh, with others in all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. So there you have it in the context of fellowship. It's one of the ways that we interact with one another. Again, in 2 Timothy 2.25, we have this word preutes, and it says, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. So once again, you have this concept of being gentle as you're correcting your opponents. So again, one of, one of the contexts that this would fit is when you're on Twitter, when you're on social media, when you're at church and you're engaging with people who are brothers or sisters who are believing things that are untrue or false in some sense, and we're told, deal with them gently. And, and the concept there is, right, you don't unload every ounce of your force every time you interact with somebody. You need to be self-controlled. You need to know how to hold back at times, and it's appropriate to do so. I think it's also interesting because when you, when you look at the context in which Jesus is gentle 
with other people, right? He's, he never becomes weak, but when he's gentle with other people, what's the reality? It's usually with sinners who are repentant, right? He's gentle with the adulterous woman. Um, he's gentle with those who've lost a child, and he's gentle in healing and all sorts of things like this. Jesus is not gentle when he deals with hard-hearted, proud Pharisees, right? He's not gentle when he deals with communities that have turned their back on the gospel. So I think it's important to understand part of the way that we have to be gentle as men is that we, we have to restrain ourselves, but particularly in certain instances where we're dealing with repentant sinners. And on the flip side, we have to know when we're dealing with hard-hearted Pharisees. So context is a lot of uh, how you have to practice this gentleness. Okay, so that's a good little synopsis of how the word is used in the New Testament and the epistles. What I want to do now is look at the uh, gospel accounts, particularly Matthew's gospel. So for instance, if you look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So what I want to do now is take a little bit of time to explain this word preus, which means meekness and can be used uh, in at least the English translations as either mild or gentle. And I'm going to make a case now for why I think meekness is a much better term. So first of all, I'm going to read to you from the Helps Word Study. This is off Bible Hub what they have to say about the word. It says, this difficult to translate root means more than meek. Biblical meekness is not weakness, but rather it refers to exercising God's strength under God's control. It means demonstrating power without undue harshness. So I think that's actually a a really helpful uh, definition that it's power, it's tremendously powerful, but it's under control, and it is avoiding undue harshness. I think this is particularly important for men, because one of the sins we know we're prone to, especially when dealing with women and children, is that we, we, we're too harsh, right? We tend to be too harsh with our children, and Paul says in Ephesians that we can exasperate them. That's why we have to be warned not to do that. And then with women, again, we have to live with our wives in an understanding and even a meek way because we can be too harsh as men. So God isn't saying, look, men, you need to be neutered and you need to be weak. He's saying you need to learn how to control your power, right? So you're on a battlefield one minute, you're with your you know, fellow soldiers in the trench, and with each other, you can be harder, right? You can speak in harsher tones, you can give direct orders, and nobody's really offended by that because that's a man's world. The problem is when you come home, you can't speak like that to your wife, right? You can't just be as brusque as you might be in the trench with your wife in the kitchen. And the same thing with your children as many fathers, myself included, have figured out is it's so easy to crush your child. He's not a grown man. Even if he's a boy, if she's a girl, right? You cannot unleash the full hard masculinity on them. You need to learn how to be gentle in the sense of controlling and toning down the harshness in certain environments. So again, the word here in Matthew chapter 5 verse 5 is 
preus. Um, just to give you a feel for where else it occurs, it occurs four times in the New Testament, three times this exact uh, word shows up in Matthew's gospel. So chapter 5, verse 5. Then you've got Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. Right? There's your word, gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I think that one's important because, again, the context is welcoming sinners, those who are humble and repentant. You have a refuge in Jesus. He's not going to be overly harsh with you, but he's going to welcome you. Okay? Jesus is not saying this to hard-hearted Pharisees. Those were the people that he saved the whip and the overturning of tables for. But he knows his audience. And in this case, he's, he's speaking to those who are brokenhearted because of sin. And for those who are repentant, you can come to Jesus and he's going to be gentle with you. Matthew 21.5 says this, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle or meek, and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And then the final reference is 1 Peter 3.4, But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. Right, This is to women and wives to have a gentle, there's your word, and quiet spirit. Now, one of the last things I want to do is take a look at some of the context in which this word preus was used in the Greek culture. And one of the key sources is from Xenophon of Athens. Xenophon was an ancient Greek historian. He was a soldier and he was a philosopher. He became the commander of the 10,000, this group of mighty warriors. He was known for his genius as a warrior and as a soldier. And yet he's also this great philosopher. It's interesting, too, because Xenophon was associated often, though he wasn't from Sparta, he was beloved by Sparta because he, I think, had a kindred spirit with these men who were warriors. But it's great to see that he used this word preus. Well, in his work, The Art of Horsemanship, Xenophon describes the selection and the training of war horses. What's most interesting is that Xenophon tells us that the Greek army would find the wildest horses in the mountains and they would bring them to be broken in. Now, after some months of training, what they would do is they would sort the horses into categories, right? Some would be discarded, some were broken, and some were made to bear burdens, you know, carry heavy weights. Some just had everyday uses. But there was a select few selected and picked to be war horses. So this is like the special forces, the Green Berets, the Navy SEALs of the horse world. And you can understand why, because you're going to war. So they would take this horse out of this cream of the crop. And once he had passed the conditioning required for a war horse, then at this point, the horse's state was described as preus. That is, he was meek. So actually, in even more current times in English language, this word meekness was used to describe a horse. A horse was meeked, right? It did not mean that the horse was neutered. It did not mean that the horse was weak. Far from it. It was almost exactly the opposite, right? The horse was tremendously powerful, but he was controlled by the rider. He had learned to take all that passion and strength and determination, and through training from the rider, he was disciplined now. 
and only the best horses could be used to stand in the face of armies and not flee. Right? This war horse, this Preus war horse, the hoof beats upon the ground like thunder into battle. And yet this war horse responded to every command of the rider. This is what it means to be meek. And this is the word that scripture uses to describe the way a man should be. What your family needs to see is you submitting to authority. You're calling them to submit to your authority and your rule, but they need to see a man who has disciplined himself to submit to the proper authorities around him as well. So how can you be a hard man, but also a meek man? So I'm going to give you a few points. Number one, you can learn to distinguish the difference between the world out there and the world in here. Okay, so what do I mean by this? Well, what I mean is that a man knows when he's at war and when he's facing the enemy. Okay, and that is a certain context. And he has to act a certain way. But he also knows that when he comes home into the home, he's no longer out in the world. And so his, his demeanor, the way that he pulls back and he, he so, so to speak, he pulls the reins back on all that power. Right now he's around children. Now, so often, this is where masculinity fails, right? This is why police officers come home and domestic violence is so astronomically high among them, because it's hard to differentiate the street from your home, right? And you want to take all that angst and that conflict and you respond to it one way when you're on patrol, but then it's really hard not to let that translate into how you treat your wife or your children in the home. This is one way that you have to distinguish, again, between the world out there and the world in here. Now, the second thing I'll say is that meekness requires strength. It requires physical strength. As we said in past episodes, it requires the strength to be able to kill someone in self-defense with your bare hands or with a firearm. So one of the ways that you can be meek is you can hone your strengths. We've talked about how you can do that. But in context here, and I think particularly with our situation, right, this week we're talking about riots in major cities, we're talking about Antifa, uh, even in small rural communities, Antifa is present, right, and the police are not going to be able to protect everyone, so how can you be meek? Well, you can take a training course, you can buy a firearm, you can buy a pistol, you can buy an AR-15, or you can buy a shotgun. And you can get the training so that you're deadly and violent. But here's the thing. What does meekness mean? It means that when you're around your children, you don't take the same demeanor. The other thing is you have to have that strength in the first place. You can lift weights. You can get stronger. You can run. Because these are real physical necessities in a world of chaos and conflict. You might actually have to outrun someone. Maybe it's Antifa, right? Maybe it's a different style of criminal. Maybe you're on the battlefield. Maybe you're a police officer. But your physical stamina and strength actually matters. That was number two. You have to actually have physical, real strength. And number three, you have to learn discipline, right? How can you learn how to discipline and control the strength that you have? One of the best ways is by learning how to submit to authority. It's about how you respond to your boss at work. Every day when you come home, do you just unload to your family 
about what an idiot your boss is, right? Because what you're telling them is, and what you're showing them is not submission to authority. It's not honoring the authority that God's put in your life. You're calling them to submit to your authority and your rule, but they need to see a man who has disciplined himself to submit to the proper authorities around him as well. Now, the last thing I want to say is this. Inherent in these principles of hardness and gentleness is a sort of paradox, right? Two seemingly contradictory concepts. But so often in Scripture, that's exactly what we find. In fact, it's what we find about the character of God himself. He is both the lion and the lamb. And we might say to ourselves, how can this be? It's hard to wrap our minds around it, but it is the way that God's revealed himself to us. So very practically, how can you work on meekness in your own life this week? Well, first of all, I just encourage you that meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. We have the fruits of the Spirit in ourselves because John 15 tells us we're continually abiding in Christ. Uh, Moscow, Idaho, at Christ Church has put out, you can find this on their website, they put out a Bible reading plan for the summer. Man, one of the best things that you can do for your family and with your family is lead them in family worship and in particular in the reading of Scripture. So I'd encourage you this summer, follow along with the reading plan as you're abiding in the Word of Jesus and He's abiding in you, and then you will bear spiritual fruit, including godly meekness. Now, number two, I would say this. Focus on the way that you speak to your wife, and to your children. I guarantee you, men, if you ask my wife right now, is your husband meek with you, particularly in the way that he speaks to you? My wife would be honest, and she would say, that's an area where my husband really struggles. And I think the more that you're embracing masculinity, the more that you're embracing assertiveness and strength, you're going to struggle with the way that you are not gentle with your wife and children. So this is an area where you can ask your wife and children, say, let me know. If I'm being harsh with you, please let me know. And then you can be praying about it. Choose carefully the words that you use with them. Choose carefully your demeanor and make sure that you're speaking gently and kindly with patience to your wife and children. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Hard Men Podcast, and a special thanks to my friend who sent in the question. It was a really good question. Until next time, men, you can follow me on ericcon.com. That's E-R-I-C-C-O-N-N.com. You can follow me on Twitter. That's E-R-I-C underscore con, C-O-N-N. Until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, Act like men.